those that we've just camaraderized with on that last Israeli trip. Amen, Brother, uh, brother, brother Clint and uh, Brother Roe. <laughs> brother Roe from Holy Kokomo. Praise God. And uh, just others. My, you become one big family. Amen. When you're in Israel, you really do. I'm, I'm, I'm missing someone in the house. Yes, sir. Uh, amen, Brother brother Younger Morrell. Amen. <laughs> Forgive me, brother. Amen. Some of the names are uh, slipping me here tonight, but we're just we're just so glad, so glad that you're in the house of the Lord with us. There is a table, uh, amen, out there. There is no CDs on the table, uh, amen, because we sold out, and we're, we're we're speaking to those that where we reorder. So forgive us. There's no new CD, as it were. Uh, we're working on some things. Uh, we wanted to. I was telling Pastor Morrell we wanted to have a guitar musical CD put out last year, but instead we went, uh, amen, the prayer journal route, and that's on the table that's been released about two, three months ago, amen, a 30-day, 40-page prayer journal. It's got commentary, scriptures, places that you can write notes, uh, amen, for an offering of about $10, uh, amen, you can get a hold of one of those, and I'd like to see everyone just coddle that in their prayer room. Uh, it's, it, it's talking about living in the blue zone. Amen. Somebody say blue zone. Amen. And the blue zone is about that blue thread in the tassel. Numbers 15, the lady reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. It's about relationship. It's about tying in. Uh, amen to him. So feel free to check that out. I, I told pastor as long as whoever would get one, they do not swat flies with it. Praise the Lord. Uh, that's our only plea. Amen. So thank you in advance for checking that out. If you need a CD, you can order one. Uh, we're going to try to get those as quick as we can. Thank you so much. Please go with me to the book of 1 Samuel tonight. Praise the Lord. And um, I want to take you all the way to the 24th chapter. Amen. So good to hear the good report. Uh, amen. Of somebody receiving the Holy Ghost Sunday. Uh, that is just fantastic. I was telling Pastor Morrell was long ago in Alabama. A lady came up out of the water and she's speaking in tongues. Praise God. And uh, just a lot of great things. And, and we could belabor on all that. Maybe we'll uh, talk about that more later. We're looking forward to the marriage seminars. Uh, amen. We're excited about that. Praise God. And uh, I pray that there is uh, some fresh enough material uh, that you can latch on to, take it home with you, chew on it a while. Amen. So be praying for the preacher. Be praying for this team. We need you. Thank God for you. First Samuel chapter number 24. I want to start with verse number 1. Some of this may be of familiar portions of Scripture. Amen. Uh, at least in part. Uh, but from these terse verses tonight, amen, we want to bring you to a compilation, a picture, amen, that would um, be inspiring to you. Amen. Verse number one, and it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Behold, David, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. <clears throat> then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Saul is serious. 3,000 men to find one man with maybe four or 600 men. Amen. Just completely outnumbered, or David is, so Saul is serious. And he came to the sheep coats by the way, where was a cave, and Saul went into the cover his feet. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. Remained in the sides. And the men of David said unto him, now watch this, these are David's, this is David's crew. Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand. 
that thou mayest do to him as that it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. He cuts off that skirt privately. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. Some of this may seem just a little redundant, but follow just a little further. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The Lord forbid this. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth an hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Now I want you to look at the word Lord there is in capital letters, and some of you know this. Amen. Whenever you find capital letters in the KJV, that's simply saying what some would call Yahweh. It's the tetragrammaton, the yud heh vav heh the Y-H-W-H. Some would say, probably more appropriately, Yahovah. But David uses that three times within the scripture, which tells me David is equally as serious of what he's just delivered to Saul or what is happening in his holy restraint. Verse number seven, so David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to arise against Saul, but Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. I want to, if I could, preach in your hearing to this wonderful congregation. For the souls that are thirsty, for the hearts that are hungry tonight, simply the secret of the sweet perfume. The secret of the sweet perfume. I know I'm an interaction kind of preacher, but could you tell your neighbor the secret? Amen. It's time to keep the secret of the secret of the sweet perfume. Praise God. Keeping it. Keeping it. How am I going to help the preacher preach tonight just a little bit? Amen. And I, 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 we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, amen. But if, if it's possible. Now, if you got your name etched in the front pew next to you, I guess I understand. But if it's possible, feel free. There's a lot of empty spaces. Move around. Come up from the cheap seats. Amen. Somebody just find somewhere. Just shuffle in. Is this okay? Thank you, Pastor. It's okay with him, so no matter what you all think. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. And while we're praying, if some of you feel you can move, or, amen, feel free. Praise God. Jesus, <laughs> amen. We thank you for your, your presence, your spirit. We thank you, Lord, hallelujah, for melting us, molding us, making us what we ought to be. God bless this shepherd and from the shepherd to the sheep, from center to circumference, we thank you. We need you now. We love you now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Could you take those hands and clap them under the Lord? Amen. One more time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody bless the blesser tonight. Could you bless the blesser? Whoa. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. If it's kosher, put your hand on someone's shoulder and just say, I'm pressing for a blessing. How about you? Come on. Could you do it? Put some pressure there. Amen. Oh, we honor our fellow ministers. We honor your pastor and we honor you. God bless you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. Could you, just so somebody knows you mean business in the pew next to you, clap your hands one more time under the Lord. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise God. Hallelujah. 
And I know, I know this is Wednesday night and we've accumulatively probably in the back of our minds, amen, this is kind of the teaching kickback kind of night. Some of you uh, even brought, amen, uh, an iced tea in some kind of container with a large straw or whatever it might be, uh, amen. But, <laughs> but I feel the presence of the Lord. And whether it's teaching, preaching, preaching, whatever it is, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to slip a splinter in somebody's soul that's going to demand attention before you leave here tonight. Amen. If there's ever a time to be prayed up, paid up, and ready to go up, it's right now. Amen, brother. We could talk about the things that are happening in, in the global sphere, not just viruses and things, and that is offshoots of what's happening deeper in the layers that, uh, amen, have of necessity needed to be stripped away for years. But we're coming to the time, amen, of the apocalypse of the four horses. And we're in the throes, as it were, of Matthew 24 and the birth pangs of what's taking place or going to take place. But, brother, from what I understand, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus heads into a parable, amen, that brings, as if it were, meaning to everything for you and I. And that's simply to not run out of oil. With the ten virgins that are there in the chapter, amen, that's just after, amen, I've got to collectively in every sphere of my life, in my family, in my own personal life, and whatever I do, whatever at the job or school or wherever it is, amen, i got to be overflowing with oil. Come on, somebody, my cup overflows and I'm drinking from the saucer. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen, amen. And so if I could, I, I want to for the next few moments ramp up. Amen. Tonight to get to this chapter number 24 in the book of 1 Samuel. Is that all right? We just ramp up just a little bit. Brother, I want to lead, if I could, this congregation to three separate places in the scripture where there seems to be some kind of mixtures or even from the hearts of the givers, sustenances or things that sustain people in troublous times. Somebody say mixtures. Somebody say God knows how to fix the mix. Hallelujah. And so with that, brother, I, I, I want to go to Jeremiah chapter number 8. And you don't have to turn there in the time consumption it may take. But Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 20, one of these ramp up mixtures. Because the Bible is full of them. Even in Ecclesiastes it mentions how that, amen, dead flies make the mixture of the apothecary stink. That's speaking from Old Testament vernacular and New Testament vernacular. Amen. It's the lady that walks in. She gets past the metal detectors of the ADT system. Amen. And breaks that alabaster box. Amen. And the room fills with perfume. Amen. So there's a multiplicity of mixtures within the scripture. But Jeremiah specifically says in verse number 20, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Amen. Brother, there is a cry Amen. In the book of Jeremiah, by the eighth chapter, amen, he says, For the hurt of the daughter of my people, am I hurt? I am black. From what I can digest of all this, brother, he's black with ashes and sackcloth that he has taken on. Amen. To show that he's mourning, brother, you can literally see as if it were the trails of tears. Amen. Through the ashen, blackened face. He says, Astonishment hath taken hold on me. He is in pure shock, amen, of what's going on, how the people are not receiving when it's so readable, amen, to retrieve. It's all around us, 
Listen, brother, the little Debbies are sitting there, but we're doing nothing about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother, he says in verse number 22, is there no balm in Gilead? Amen. Is there no physician there? Brother, I looked at Gilead, and I don't want to kerfuffle you with, amen, all kinds of detail. But, amen. I know, brother, here I go with Israel again. But, amen, when you go there, you see these wonderful, as if it were little hills that are manicured in valleys and sometimes on the next to the hillsides. And we think that, my, that's a wonderful natural work of art when really it's a work of man. Because underneath that soil or brush or trees that look so manicured, there is by a cross-section depiction, amen, about 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 different layers of newcomers or civilization. Amen. One civilization has started and then another comes. Then another, amen, as when that one is conquered, amen, builds on top of their rubble. <clears throat> thus making, amen, a higher hill as millennia go by. Later it's totally abandoned and grass grows over it and we think that's a natural hill. <clears throat> to the extent that even Joshua, amen, when he battled in the Canaan campaign, he even burnt some cities. And archaeologists have found, brother, that in the cross-section of those cities, the chronology is perfect in the sense they're finding even the burnt layer of Joshua in the war and time, amen, of the Old Testament. Somebody say, wow. <clears throat> Could you say that backwards? Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. It's just awesome, amen, what is going on with Gilead. And brother, they believe they have found the city of Gilead. <clears throat> and what's so interesting about Gilead is this. It is the same as any other hill, it seems, at least for its size, structure, and depiction of chronology, but the difference is, is that it had an overabundance of jars. Brother, whether they were stamped on the outside or they were found as maybe some residue on the inside, they believed they had found the place, amen, where the actual balm of Gilead was created. They found the meal, amen, that was happening at the city. So simply what I'm trying to say is Jeremiah compared, amen, the balm of Gilead to the sustenance of God that's all around us, to the promises of God that encompass us. He's simply saying, brother, that just like our Johnson & Johnson Band-Aid in our medicine cabinet, amen, or, 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 or just like the pink bottle of Pepto-Bismol, amen, that you have stored away somewhere. He's saying the balm of Gilead was common. It's there. It's all over the place. And he's using a reference that if there's so much to be half in the natural, how much more is there in the spiritual? Amen. If you'll reach out and get it while you can. Oh, come on, somebody. The contrast of the natural and the spiritual. Somebody tonight, even in this service, because it's not like going to be yesterday's service. This service is not like tomorrow's service. Somebody needs to get an overabundance of the oversupply of the balm of Gilead that's flowing in the house. Oh, somebody say yes. <laughs> Look at your neighbor say he's ramping up. Amen. I, 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 want, I want you to see yet another scripture. Amen. Found in Ezra. In Ezra, brother, something is happening here. Amen. Concerning the mixture. I want to get to 1 Samuel yet. Amen. But in Ezra chapter number 7, 
Amen. And verse number 21, I, even I, Artaxerxes, the king, do make a decree to all the treasures which are beyond the river, and whatsoever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of God of heaven, shall require of you, it shall be done speedily. Oh, two-day air this thing. All right, overnight it. No, drop it by an airplane with a parachute. Whatever it is, but it's got to get out speedily. What is it that's going to get out fast? Here it is, unto a hundred talents of silver, unto a hundred measures of wheat, hundred baths of wine, unto a hundred baths of oil. Somebody say wheat, wine, and oil. Come on, shout wheat, wine, and oil. <laughs> Amen. Now get this, the carnal king is saying to God's people, you can have all that's on the laundry list. It's there for the taking. But what I like about it, brothers, the king says, and salt without prescribing how much. To come with the wheat, wine, and oil, brother, has got to come the salt. And salt makes you thirsty. And the king knew that, that when you run out of that, amen, I'm going to salt you enough so that you come asking for more. And if a carnal king has enough wisdom to say, I'm going to give you salt so that you ask for more, how much more does God want to pour out an awesome blessing to somebody? Come on, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Oh, somebody say, there's more where that came from. Oh, Somebody say, oh, yeah. <laughs> hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time whether you are or not. Hallelujah. What are you preaching, preacher? So I'm talking about overabundance, mixtures. Even carnal kings know how to give to God's people speedily and overabundance. There's enough balm and Gilead to go around. There, there's enough wheat, wine, and oil, amen, that's within the scripture. Brother, if I could, and I don't want to take too much time, but in the book of Exodus, chapter number 30, amen, we find a couple of mixtures that are happening there. Somebody say, he's ramping up. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto the principal spices, myrrh, 500 shekels, sweet cinnamon, half so much, 250 shekels, sweet calamus, 250 shekels, casea, 500 shekels, <coughs> olive oil, and hen. It'll be after the compound of the apothecary, the mixture, 18 pounds, 9 pounds, plus 9 pounds, plus 18 pounds, plus one and a half gallons of olive oil. Oh, somebody say, God knows how to fix the mix. Brethren, what it says there in verse number 33, whosoever compoundeth anything like it, whosoever putteth anything upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from the people. We can't even make this stuff at home to be like what's happening in the tabernacle. Amen. Somebody say yes. It's a special mixture. Now you got to see this. Amen. Verse number 34. Another one of the Lord spake unto Moses, take unto these sweet spices, takti, anecha, galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Each those should be like weight after the confection of the apothecary. Woo. Amen. I will meet with thee there, verse 36, 38, whosoever shall make like unto that, even to smell like it, shall be cut off from the people. In other words, brother, it can't be the same mixture, and you can't even have the same smell. If they make polo outside these walls, amen, it can't smell like the stuff that's in here. If you got a bottle of Ralph Lauren out there, it can't be what's happening in the holy precinct. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 
I'm, I'm simply ramping up to say, with the Begilead, brother, God knows, amen, that we've got an overabundance of balm for anybody that's in need. Amen. Even a heathen king knows how to make us thirsty for more. And even in holy places, God knows how to fix the mix. Amen. Come on, is there anybody sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Come on, anybody need a blessing? The glory cloud is in this place. Woo. Somebody say yes. Somebody say God knows how to fix the mix. So with all of that, brother, if I could, and I, 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 just, I just want to preach tonight. Amen. I, I just wanted to give you a little ramp up to show you. Amen. That God's serious about mixtures. There's something that happens there, brother, that is uh, something that cannot be compromised. We cannot take it in a trivial manner. Amen. It's got to be rich with meaning and relationship. And brother, so here we are in 1 Samuel. Amen. And with the place of Engedi. Brother, I remember taking you all there. Hallelujah. Or at least the bus did. And we couldn't go all the way up. Something was happening. I remember that. At least in th that trip. We got up to a particular spot where the smaller waterfall was. But there's a bigger waterfall uh, up in the hills. Engedi. Is the place of the wild goats. I think we've seen some of those with the horns that are straight back. Amen. Is this, is this church a deer hunting church? Praise God. Well, I, I'm kind of thinking you are. You couldn't shoot those. Because that's like the Smokey the Bear of Israel. You couldn't touch those, brother. Amen. Unless you'd like to feel the cold steel of Israeli, amen, jail bars. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother, it was a place, brother, where even the tree badgers were in the trees. Amen. Much like the size of our opossum uh, that we have here. Much better looking than the opossum. Amen. Anybody ever had opossum? Don't raise your hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Unless you like Himalayan opossum. Himalayan on the side of the road. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, amen, brother, there it was. And Getty's a special place. It's the place of wild goats. It's the place, brother, to where, amen, it is an oasis in the middle of the desert. No, brother, if I could just real quickly, I remember, amen, when you stand on the Israeli side and we could look over. You could see, amen, the mountains of Moab in the distance where Ruth came from, where that whole story unfolded. N amen, not far from that is Mount Nebo that you could point out where Moses was on the other side looking, amen, to the Israeli side and the other side of the Jordan, the land of promise, but couldn't go in. You could look, amen, in the distance, and there is the red cliffs and hills on the Jordanian side. All the way, amen, further down and further up is, amen, the brook Jabbok, where Jacob raced, wrestled with the angel. Amen. Special places. Amen. If it on the Israeli side, amen, I, I just want you to get this picture. Praise God. Amen. Is the Jordan River flowing at the north end of this Dead Sea area that we're in? Amen. And, and, and there at the Jordan, if you look careful enough, you can see where they crossed over. Amen. The whole Israeli band, amen, to get to Jericho. Oh, this is the place where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Hallelujah. Powerful imagery, the topography, the geography of what's happening there thrills it to the bone. 
But if you go up a little further, amen, you can see not far, amen, the actual city of Jericho. You can't see it around the bend, but if you continue to make an aliyah, that means up to, you'll find Jerusalem, amen, way up in the hills. And on the Israeli side, brother, some of the same red cliffs. And all of this is surrounding the periphery, as it were, around the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is dead, called dead, because it's dead. I love the seas that are all around Israel. You know the Sea of Galilee, brother, that is a freshwater body, more like a lake. But the other seas, you've got the Mediterranean Sea, you've got the Dead Sea, and you've got the Red Sea. So it's the Med, Dead, Red. Woo! Amen. But around the Dead Sea, you would find this one place called Engedi. And it goes up, brother, eighth of a mile, quarter of a mile, brother. I know we didn't go all the way up that time, but in the past we did. You would climb up cliffs, amen, and have to make sure, amen, that you're stable. Because brother, there, would, there would be a metal bar there because there's a 15, 20-foot drop happening right there. <laughs> Hope you got good insurance. Amen. And then as you travel a little further, it flattens out. And there is a wonderful, as if we're walking through an Amazon, brother, with stones and water flowing through from the upper spillage, amen, as you continue to walk upward. You tiptoe from rock to rock so your feet don't get wet, and there's like bamboo, and amen, it's, it's, it's as if you're walking through a green tunnel, plush. The contrast is simply amazing. Ibex, tree badgers, amen, the beauty of it all. Finally, you get to the top. Where the waterfall of 30 feet falls into this nice pool. Oh, don't you want to go there? Somebody give me a phenomenal nod. I need something. Praise God. What are you talking about, preacher? This is the place that is the truck stop, the loves, the pilot of that then known desert. Back in antiquity, it's Saul, as it were, the mad king is chasing David relentlessly. Amen. Swords and spears, campsites, gentle plumes of smoke. David could see in the distance. There they are. And they're after me again. In constant pursuit, David is walking on ice and has his lookouts at every turn. Finally, enough's enough. I'm going to rest Erengedi, an oasis in the Dead Sea desert wilderness place. And he's in there in the cave, brother. And out comes in the mouth of the cave in the entrance. You know the story. You've heard it preached before. Saul walks in. <laughs> Amen. Saul, the one who's been chasing him. The carnal king that's one taco short of a combination platter. Amen. He's gone crazy. He's spiritually mad. He throws sticks and stones at musicians. Amen. And we find him, brother, walking in. And the place grows tense. And David's men, 
Amen. Oh, brother, they've got veins pumping on the side of the neck. They're getting ready. They're poised. They've been trained for this. They've been waiting a long time for this. Because after Saul's taken care of, there's 3,000 out there that about four or 600 have got to take care Brother, they're ready to roll. They're ready to rumble. They've got biceps in their earlobes. They can gargle gasoline and spit fire. Come on, somebody with me. Oh, somebody say, oh, yeah. And there it is. Amen. And David's men say, yes, yes, yes. I don't know how they was. I don't know how Saul didn't hear them. Maybe the refraction against the caves and maybe a few bats and amen in the upper part. I don't get it, but they say, yes, yes, yes. The Lord had said, Yahovah says, they're even using scripture to persuade him. Go get him. Has anybody ever felt sometimes that this is a pers- this is a positive, perfect convergence? <laughs> God's in this. Oh yeah, the men are smiling ear to ear. And David, you <laughs> pulls that sword. They're ready. He's going to do it. Amen. Walks up. Watch this. Watch this. Amen. <laughs> Slides into home base, and instead he cuts off the hem. <laughs> or the corner of Saul's garment. What are you saying, preacher? Brother, once again, I know I preached this before, but the hymn identifies the person. The more rank and authority meant the more embroidery, amen, and the more sequence and the more beauty in that hymn. Hallelujah. It must have been an expensive, kingly kind of hymn. Even at the end of the chapter, Saul says to David, when he recognized he could have been taken, he says to David, now I know you'll become the king of Israel. Why? Because the kingly identification was resting in his hands. Saul even recognized the importance, amen, of what was happening in that place. Hello, somebody. Praise God. And David said, brother, the men just got restless. What are you doing, brother David? What are you doing, captain and king? They wanted to pounce instead. And David restrains them. No, boys, I will not touch God's anointing. (laughs) This is the man of anointing, no matter how rotten he is. God is doing something here that I cannot mess up in the chronological realm. God's timing is perfect, amen, and I can't mess with it right now. Somebody say, God knows how to fix the mix. David understood, amen, the measure of a mixture. David was a man of praise. He knows how it feels to be anointed not just once, not just twice, He remembers the smell of the anointing. I know my position. David knew, brother, when to go ahead and put the pedal to the metal. But he also knew when to restrain and let that holy oil, amen, wait for the perfect timing. Somebody say hallelujah. Brother, what I feel in the Holy Ghost, amen, for higher praise tonight. And I prayed about this message. Amen. I've asked God, God, give me direction. Because somebody in this house needs help, amen, to recognize that the Lord, amen, of heaven is in your hands on whether to put the pedal to the metal or restraining the anointing. A lot, brother, is dependent on our sensitivity in this hour, amen, of God's timing and what God has for us. Somebody say, yeah. 
How many want to be spiritually connected? How many want to interface with the DNA of heaven and say, God, I've got to know your timing. I've got to know your exact will in my family, in my life, in my church. Come on, somebody. I'm not just going to nonchalantly throw myself to the lions. I refuse to have a wrecking ball mentality and destroy things God has built up for so long. Somebody lift their hands and say, Jesus, come on, you know how to fix the mix in my life. Amen. You know the anointing that we have in this house. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Could you clap your hands under the Lord? Ah, ah, ah. A sensitivity like the man David in the cave that knows when to go forward and when not to go forward. And brother, I don't want to be redundant. I know you've seen some of this. Amen. But I just want to relate it again because it matches so perfectly of where we're going tonight. There's a lot of presses in Israel. Amen. There's even some presses in the U.S. But in Israel, they had this, amen, wine press. As a matter of fact, there was a Nazareth. How many remember the Nazareth tour? It was a separate tour yet, as a matter of fact. And there was a wine press there in the middle of old Nazareth. And I had the gumption of the tenacity to say, sir, was Jesus in this press? <laughs> I mean, it's old Nazareth. And this is kind of hick town. 300 people, 600 people, maybe. They all knew each other. And he said, most likely. Because families would take turns in the old wine presses. And so I begin to imagine, I know Mary and Joseph and Jesus, brothers and sisters, including Yeshua, must have been in the middle of this press, tethered, amen, with a piece of leather hanging onto, with a pole and a pulley in the middle, amen, singing songs of Zion as they went round and round. Woo! They pressed, brother. You talk about real toe jam. Hallelujah. Amen. They had it that day. But I'm here to preach to you tonight. Amen, that that is a place where you take off your sandals and your socks. Because they knew, brother, you cannot press grapes and, and, and crush the seeds. Lest the seeds make it bitter and unusable for the cup and for the kingdom. Some of the most sensitive parts of the anatomy of the human body. So intricately connected to nerve endings and as if it were, brother, to organs and even our soul, as it is, the bottom of the foot. It's to Moses that he said, take the shoes. You're on holy ground. God simply said, I don't want nothing in between you and my holiness. I want to touch you and you to feel me. Whew. Somebody say hallelujah. Oh, yeah. And so that's what it was, but you couldn't crush the seed. <laughs> Joy <laughs> comes from the juice. <laughs> Oh, somebody say joy, joy, joy. Somebody say there's joy in the juice. Look at your neighbor and say there's J in the J. Hallelujah. There's joy in the juice. When it's flowing, somebody's sensitive enough but to throttle back. <laughs> say not now. Thank God for pastors that feel after the Lord and shepherds that understand. Not now. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Somebody say, God knows how. Fix the mix. Whew. I know you're tired of this preacher already. 
And I like it that way. Praise God. But I want you to see this. There's another press. And it's the olive press. And we've seen it, brother. It's a piece of stone. It's a big rock and a trough in the middle. And another stone upon it where there's a wooden shaft. And the beast of burden, amen, is taking this round and round. And it crushes not just the pulp, but it crushes, and it's supposed to crush the seed. It crushes everything. Because the virgin olive oil that's poured out and goes to the priesthood into the tabernacle to light the lamps comes from the virgin oil of a crushed olive. It's there that you put the pedal to the metal and say, God, help me to get the anointing. Sometimes we just got to give nothing less than our anointed best. Everything, including the seeds, have got to be crushed. It doesn't make it bitter. It makes it powerful. Tiger praise, you're not some backwoods out here in the middle of uh, Highway 156 or whatever you call this. Hallelujah. Amen. You're not just out here, amen, playing God games and pretending this is a bless me club. You're real meal deal people. You believe in worshiping. You believe in praising. You believe in loving, living, and giving. Hello, somebody. <laughs> and, and when you have to do that, you're a threat to the enemy. But what I'm trying to say is somehow we've got to fine-tune the process to say, God, we've got to know when to throttle it down or whether, amen, the pull-off stops and let the power of God come on. You know what I'm doing here? I want you to do is tracking the trail of the chariot that's gone before us. Come on. This means war. There's war on the floor. Come on. We're two or three are gathered in his name. He's in the midst. We need some holy anointing to flow. In the house of God. Could you clap your hands unto the Lord? Somebody shout yes, yes, yes. Is there anybody like David who is a prototype of Pentecost to come? It's a prototype of you and I. That even if I can't make it to the tabernacle when he's in exile because Absalom took his throne. He's saying, let the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice in my prayer. <laughs> I don't have to have blood dripping from my elbow. I'll just lift my hand and I'll know you're there. David's a prototype of Pentecost to come, brother. We're living in the day of post-Calvary. We're living in the day of post-Pentecost. And God is preparing a people with enough Holy Ghost sensitivity. That in this arena and area, God's already mm, God's already planting the seeds in the hearts of souls and families in the circumference around you. That when the timing's right, brother, amen, there's a harvest that's fixing to happen at higher praise. As long as you don't fall asleep, as long as you don't attain a slice of Laodicea, as long as you don't adhere to some kind of conjuncture, jecture, amen, of Sodom or its sister Gomorrah. Somebody hear me. But somebody's got to be fine-tuned and recognize that God's fixing the mix regardless of what I understand, can or cannot see. If he chooses to pull the curtain back, and I see something, that's awesome. But if the curtain stays closed, amen, and I've got to wait on him, that's also just as awesome. 
Could somebody lift their hands and say, God, I want to understand the press. I want to understand the pressure in the press. I want to understand, amen. Young men, if there's ever a time to be sensitive, it's now. Church, if there's ever a time, I know you hear that again and again and again. Hallelujah. Somebody say, hallelujah. Can, can you follow me? Look at your neighbor and say, he's just going to preach a little longer. Stick with him. <laughs> Woo! Anybody with me in the Chiefs say, say, whoa. Well. Anybody over here, whoa. Oh, yeah. There's a little amen happening over here. What are you saying, preacher? Go with me. Go with me. <laughs> Through the centuries. And we flip over to another millennium or so. Brother, you know what they discovered? And we didn't even go there. I've never been there. They discovered at En Gedi. I looked this up. I read this up. They discovered at En Gedi, the city of En Gedi. Never been there. Never even had spaghetti near En Gedi at the city. Now, praise God. Anybody? I, I, brother, we didn't, I didn't know nothing about this. Otherwise, I would have been going there. And the Lord will, will take them there now. You don't even have to climb a mountain. <laughs> but they found the city of Engedi that was not built during David's time. Pastor, this was a city that I think is around the 3rd, 4th century, post-Temple, post-Pentecost, post-Calvary. Probably closer to the time of Constantine, the crazy man, and on and on. That they found this place. But then again, it's a podoc city. It's not, it's not very large. But like Gilead city, what's so special about this city that they took note that everybody in the world needs to know about is that it had an enormously oversized synagogue in the city. What in the world are we doing with this kind of synagogue in this, this, this size of the city? It's almost like taking Washington, D.C. complex and placing it, amen, in the middle of your city. Would that be a little out of place? <laughs> a real oversized courthouse. Thank the Lord, DC's not here. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what? <laughs> I'm gonna preach on that a while. But what, what, what are you saying, saints? Amen. Oversized synagogue. What happened there, brother? This is so cool. This is so unique. It's cool with a capital K. You've got to see this, saints. Amen. They begin to discover on the floor. We've seen a bunch of this. Amen, brother, these, these little tiles, mosaic, they would take like puzzle pieces, little puzzle pieces, amen, and put them together. They would, brother, color them, glaze them over in the heat of a furnace. And then they would put them and make pictures, almost like this carpet, if the carpet had a multi uh, kind of color system other than just the duo. Amen, you'd begin to see some pictures come to view. Some of it were, were cyclic, like circles. That intertwine to each other just to make this beautiful decoration. There's picture, pictures of it. You can Google this and find this, brother. They found Abraham, Yitzhak, Yochov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They found lineage on the floor. If you ever want to remind somebody of their family tree, remind them by drawing it on the church wall every Sunday. It's a good idea. How many get it? All right, how many don't get it? Nobody knows nothing. Praise God. That's all right. <laughs> just say, preacher, preacher, praise God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just having a good time. What, what, what are you saying, preacher? They also found on the floor <laughs> something that was fantastic. 
as a matter of fact, brother, there's all kinds of mosaic floors as well. I'm going to remember we went to uh, Mary Magdalene's Magdala. They discovered Magdala. They discovered the synagogue there, which was a normal-sized synagogue. They even discovered the pulpit that rabbis would have unrolled the scroll on to teach the people during the time of Jesus. It's under an acrylic glass now, but that is the pulpit that Jesus could have used teaching there. I wanted to move the glass and use it, but I didn't. Hallelujah. Woo! But I was about as hyper as a cat in a cage full of canaries. I just didn't know which one to grab. What are you saying, preacher? <laughs> Amen. Anybody with me in section D over here? Hallelujah. <laughs> but, brother, in this oversized synagogue, they also found this. Amen. On the same floor, nearer to the wall where the ark would have been, that is what held the Torah scroll, that's the closest to Jerusalem. So it was on the Jerusalem wall. On the floor are four phrases in Hebrew. Now, this is what I've tried to get to all night long. Is this okay? Stick with me. Can you give me five minutes? All right. How about ten minutes? Fifteen. I'm going higher. Praise God. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. We might have to tag team because I'm fixing to take me a lap. What, what are you preaching, preacher? On the floor. Can I go through them real quickly? Number one in Hebrew, reading the right to the left. Amen. We will not quarrel in the synagogue on the inside. We will not quarrel. Um, please do not quarrel amongst each other. Does that make sense? How many know some of the busiest bones in Pentecost is the jawbone? We give Verizon employees, AT&T, a pay hike. Amen. And can I go a little further? Is this all right? The second one is that you don't take these quarrels or complaints or gossips outside to the goyim, which is the Gentile, to the goy or the goyim. You don't, you don't take it. You don't go to Walmart and say, do you know what my pastor did? You want, can I tell you what my pastor's wife did? Hello, somebody. No, they could care less about what your pastor did. Instead, brother, we ought to go there and say, have you ever been to higher praise? Man, you're miss, mi missing the best thing on this side of heaven. Hello, somebody. Woo, come on, there's joy in the juice over there. Thanks for the denominal nod. Hello, somebody. Shout yes. Woo. <laughs> Brother, <laughs> the third one was this on the floor. Don't steal. Don't steal. It'll make sense in a moment. When I get to the fourth one, you'll understand this. I'm preaching everything, sir, just to get to the fourth quote on a tile floor five, six, seven thousand miles away from here. What are you saying, preacher? Let me just say this. The first two have validity. You got to take it serious. My son and I, one of the favorite places to go is to the bookstore called Redeemed in Spring, uh, Springfield, uh, Missouri. Anybody ever been there? Not too far from Branson up the road. The Redeemed is a big bookstore. They sell all kinds of stuff, like used books, uh, older books, new books. It's a preacher's candy land. And <laughs> I dispatched my son, and he dispatched me. Sometimes we'd converge and find ourselves looking together at the same shelf. 
We're drooling. And I find this book, and it says the infographic Bible. Infographic. I collect Bibles. I love Bibles. Anybody love the Bible? Nobody likes the Bible. Anybody like Bibles here? <laughs> That's 50%. We're going to have a great altar call. Hallelujah. <laughs> what, what are you saying, preacher? Infographic Bible. Brother Mint, it's, 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 it's all in pictures. I mean, not human pictures per se, but graphs. Has everybody ever been to Hershey's Chocolate in Pennsylvania? We, we toured that. We went to the taste testing thing. And there's little screens that give you little candy bars to test. It was great. I like, I love chocolate. Amen. And, <laughs> and they had on the screen, and people would press the button what they thought it tasted like. Vanilla, uh, you know, double mocha, whatever it was. And the first one that popped up, the most popular, was the biggest one. And then the others were smaller, smaller. How many know what I'm saying? And I even one is taste like leather. I think leather was up. Like, leather. Who tastes leather? Amen. But that, that same thing in this infographic Bible. Amen. Jesus. He said the most words. So his name's big. And then you had Paul and Peter and, and James. And <laughs> Zacchaeus was, you could barely see him. I, he was small. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm talking the word. <laughs> I caught you when you weren't looking. Hallelujah. But what are you saying, preacher? <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. I'm taking too much time, ain't I? Can I have five more minutes? Amen. Watch this, saints. So in this graphic Bible, it showed a picture, amen, of sacrifices in the Old Testament. Brother, it helped me so much because I'm more identifying with PowerPoint pictures. I can absorb that better. Amen. I almost need my KJV with pictures. I'm drawing pictures in the side just to bring my attention. I put blue on there with waves. This is about baptism. It helps me out. And, and, and so in this infographic, amen, it showed the picture where the most sacrifices were necessary. You know where they were? When Balaam tried to curse the people, as it were, to persuade God to bring it from a curse to a blessing, they sacrificed seven bullocks and seven rams. Fourteen bloody animals was the most sacrifice needed. In order to take the tongue and change it from negative to positive, takes the most sacrifice in Pentecost. First two on the floor are valid. You know what took the least sacrifice? I looked at it. See, Mary, she brought Jesus to be circumcised. <laughs> Brother, she brought uh, uh, turtle doves, I believe. That was a poor woman's offering. You really needed to bring something else, but they made an exception. She brought the poor. That tends to tell me the wise men didn't show up when we say they did. <laughs> it was about a year and a half later when Jesus was already walking and talking. Is when the wise men showed up. Well, I know that kerfuffles your kerfuffer, but understand this. Amen, saints. So simply, the, the one with the least, brother, watch me, stick with me. The one with the least is a little suckling lamb that had to be sacrificed in order to persuade God to come with you to war. You mean to tell me it takes the least, brother, to for God to go with me to battle. Why? Because he's anxious to go with you in battle. I'm, he's raring to go. And all it takes is one little lamb. And guess what? 2,000 years ago, he was already sacrificed. So every time you've got a battle in your hands and in your life, the chariot's already gone before. He's already been persuaded to fight your battle. 
This is how I find my love. Hello, somebody. It may look like you do, but I'm so worried about you. One little suckling lamb. Amen. Takes, takes it all. Somebody hear me. But the fourth one, I know you've been biting it, but here it is. Can I give it to you? Please don't fall asleep. I'm done. I'm almost done. The fourth one is this. The fourth one says, keep the secret of the city safe. Sister, they didn't know what to do. Commentators looked at it. Theologians, archaeologists, they were baffled. What's this mean? They found it on the floor not too long ago. They found it on the floor. What in the world does this mean? We understand the first three. I mean, at least the first two. Amen. And they simply said, wait a minute. We found this in the annals of of, of secular documentation that there is a perfume that they wear around, around the Dead Sea, made from the Dead Sea somewhere. Even Cleopatra, some of you may have read it, even Cleopatra from Egypt purchased this beautiful perfume from around the Dead Sea area. Wow. Hallelujah. And they finally put two plus two together. This must be the city, the oasis, just like Gilead, where the bomb was made, that the secret perfume was made. And the people were just trying to tell the people in the synagogue. And they were reminded every Saturday, every week, shh, keep the mixture and how we make this stuff a secret. It's our economic strong braces, amen, to hold up what we have here. That's why this do not steal was the third. That makes sense because there's a lot of extra happening around here. How many know what I'm saying? They knew how to fix the mixed it. But they said, keep it a secret. Don't exploit it. Don't let the enemy compromise. Amen. And you tell the secret to someone and they take it and manufacture it somewhere down the road. This is of specificity. This is of specialness to this city. We get it from the plants that are around here that only grow around here. There's no other place like it. Hello, somebody. And so I preach to you tonight, and you've already been there in your mind, that the secret has got to be safe with us. The treasure trove has got to be of a personal significance to us. Shh. Don't take what God has given you, brother. Don't take that sweet Holy Ghost that's on the inside and let the world exploit that. Don't let the devil know your secret spot or your sweet spot of that prayer room, brother, that just you and Jesus have an understanding about. Don't let that go. The secret has got to be safe with me. Hello, somebody. Come on, somebody, keep the secret of the sweet perfume, that anointing that you have on the inside. It's got to be special. 
You can't tell anybody about I'm not saying, sister, you don't witness. I'm not saying you don't go to the streets and sing it upon the mountaintops. you got to witness. you got to tell somebody about Jesus. But you don't let the devil strip you of your spiritual vitality and steal your relationship with Jesus. You don't give your ingredients away. If there's ever a time to keep the secret of the city that is set on the hill, it's now. Is there ever a time, amen, to secure your prayer life? It's right now. If there's ever a time, amen, not to stop reading the word of God and saying, God, amen, I've got to just read it every day and hide it in my heart that I don't sin against thee. It's right now. Hello, somebody. And there's more than enough to go around. He that hungers, come on, there's enough balm in the place. He's passing out salt, amen, without subscription, prescription. Hello, somebody. Amen. He's giving you holy oil from holy precincts. Keep the secret of the city Pentecostals. How many have compromised the manna that has fell in the house? Sir, how many have compromised men? How many have compromised in our house to let things go over the border that you wouldn't dare allow in some portion in an orthodoxy of your servant Jesus at some point in your life? You've got to keep the secret safe in the house of the Lord. You've got to have the spirit of David that knows when to go forward in a sensitivity to know and to refrain. God knows how to fix the mix of Holy Ghost in our hearts. He knows that the comforter, <laughs> we know the comforter is the best thing on this side of heaven. Could somebody lift their heart? Come on, I'm about done, Sister Lord. Just kind of get ready. Come on. I feel Holy Ghost in the house. I know this is Wednesday night Bible study, but I feel even the spirit of an evangelist here. Come on, I feel Holy Ghost in the house. Keep the secret safe. Somebody say the secret safe with me. Look at your neighbor, say the secret is safe with me. Watch this. I'm done. I'm almost done. The secret. This tonight, brother, is not necessarily a message of trust God. Though, brother, we preach many of them, you preach many of them, we're going to still preach many of them. Trust the Lord We're going to continue to preach those messages. You can trust God. But this isn't a message tonight of how much I can trust him. This is a message, sir. Can he trust you? Can God trust me? With the mix he's fixed in my heart. Beat him. Beat him. Beat him. Tell me. The secret of your strength is Samson. Tell me. Don't you know, dear? I love you. Will lie to you. The cares of life will lie to you. The pressures out there that say you've got to receive and concede and just give up. It's lying to you. There's a God that's always on time. I thought it was in the cords and it wasn't. I thought it was in the ropes and it wasn't there. Tell me the secret and something happened. The spirit of Samson. And he 
let that woman, amen, know his secret spot. It's in my covenantal hair that was never cut. You never tell demons the secrets of the covenant that you and Jesus have. He'll find out all by himself. I don't have to give in to his taunting. Hello, somebody. I'm letting you go. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I feel caught up in this whirlwind tonight. Can, can, I, can I say this? Anybody ever see that in the scripture? It's the Hebrew word. Amen. For the color, the coat of many colors that Joseph wore. Katonot. You know what that means? It's not necessarily a coat of many colors, though it could have been. It makes sense. Maybe colored embroidery upon it, whatever it was. But it was the garment of a prince. No wonder they could tell it was long and flowing to the wrists. <laughs> long and flowing to the ankles. It would be flowing. You could see. <laughs> it would be flowing in the rear. And no wonder that there comes the dreamer. They could tell. Daddy's given him a katonot fasim. He's special, the prince. The only other time that it's mentioned in scripture is Tamar, the daughter of a king, David. Amnon, the half-brother, did the mischief that he did. And it was identifiably the same except a female manner flowing to the wrists and to the ankles in a holy generation of sons and daughters of kings, prince and princesses. Both of those garments, only mentioned twice, were ripped, tattered, torn, and bloodied, as it were. There's nothing more that hell would rather do than to take heaven's garment, an identifiable relationship that you have with Jesus, and tear it apart. But some of you got to, listen to me, son. Listen to me, son. Listen to me, ma'am. Watch this. Some of you got to make up in your mind tonight that stinking cheap substitutes in the drugs of this world have nothing to offer to fill the God-given void inside my soul. Only Jesus, amen, can fill our souls today. Could you stand to your feet and somebody lift your hands unto the Lord and say, Jesus, your secret is safe. With me tonight, you can, <laughs> you can trust me. I don't have to go into a panic like the world is doing. I don't have to go, amen, and hide under a rock. <laughs> oh, God, you've given us wisdom for the hour. When to pour it on and when to restrain. <laughs> yes, you can trust in me. <laughs> pastor, pastor. Pastor Morell, my friend, you'll never preach enough messages. This man could never preach enough messages in this hour. Though they're on fire, full of conviction. And he is the literal visage of the face of God for higher praise. It'll never connect to you even though he does it. What he needs, this man of God needs in this hour, is for everyone to personally seek God to keep your own secrets safe. In your own life. It's not time to baby or pamper your soul. Amen. It's time for men to be men. And godly women to be godly women.
Can I leave you with this? Can I leave? When we were in Israel, brother, and and I I thank God, I'm I'm no holy Joe, but I appreciate perspective. I was was telling pastor today over conversation and fellowship, the Lord had allowed us to, last year was one of the busiest, was two weddings, and pray for Papa, praise God, and amen, and on and on, brother, just, we, we, we went to Israel, but we also went to Russia, amen, and Germany, and Brazil, South America. And I've seen, brother, we're some of the third world. I mean, we, we've got Brother Thompson telling us, yeah, brother, this is the road sometime back where the bandits were chasing me at about 80, 90 miles. And I want to thank you for that information. That's awesome. <laughs> and then other things, they begin to spill out in Germany and its oppressions. And the reign of Hitler still seems to, as if it were like tentacles, just the remorse for that. They'll even cover the swastika on coins that they sell around World War II because they don't even want the swastika showing anywhere because Hitler's not allowed in that nation. They're saying it can't happen again. It can't. But yet the New World Order is rushing in. And Russia still has that feel of, oh, there's some independency, but and then the thumb of control. And I, I just felt it on the train going to Moscow and and there was great things, great missionary. But I'm just telling you, saints, it's out there. You still have the best as if it were nation on this side of heaven. And an opportunity to do things that you've never done before for Jesus. Sometimes we're locked up, brother. And we went to a place, brother, we were talking about it today. Patil Tequilet. Brothers, do you remember Patil Tequilet? It's the place, amen, where they make the blue thread. Patil Tekelet is blue, so the thread of blue. And and we walked, it's my first time there was a building about the size of this section. And we walk in and and, and we made it a little bigger. And we we sat down on like a school chairs and we're watching the screen and him like a scientist, almost looked like Einstein himself, you know, was there. And there's pictures on the wall. Brother, where the blue comes from is they'll take the hyperbranical gland of a murex snail and crush that. Amen. And with some chemicals, then make the very blue that Moses made in Numbers 15. For years, they lost how to do it because an empire knows, brother, that when you come into a nation, amen, in order to cripple that empire, you take their financial stance away. And the dye houses were some of the places you do that first because the dye industry was cash on the barrel head. Very rich production. Isaiah says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Did you know that scarlet is in the uh, translation, which means the female worm, they would boil in water and a red substance would rise. That's where they got the scarlet from. And to get the blue, they would have to get it from the gland of a snail. Well, they lost how to produce it. Some even thought it was from a squid or maybe we could produce it this way. But finally, they found out how to make it by crushing that. And this was one of the scientists. Brother, we were looking in his eyes. He took a beaker. He said, I'll show you. Can I show you? Is this all right? He took a beaker. And he ripped open a little packet. Now, he wasn't going to go through the whole process. The process was in the packet. 
So he dumped that into water, stirred it around, looked yellow. That ain't blue. I can almost see it in someone's mind. <laughs> that ain't blue. He said, there's one more thing I've got to do to make it blue. Is to what, brother? Set it out in the sunshine. And he went out for five minutes or so, maybe ten. We were talking. I was taking notes, brother. It was just awesome. He came back in. And in that beaker, the pure, tequelet blue, sky blue that the Bible used, that God fixed in the mix thousands of years in the past. Saints, can I say this tonight? All of us tonight have come hungry. You wouldn't be here if not. You're not just here because you're on some roll. Hear me higher praise. You're not just here because, well, i gotta, I got to see that preach. No. You could have stayed home, kicked back if I had been a hard day. And it got a hard day tomorrow, possibly. But you love Jesus. And you've come here with a chemical mix. And you're ready. And the only ingredient, and sometimes it's hard to do, is to take ourselves and set ourselves in the S-O-N shine. And let Jesus give you the rest to make it the blue. That's for me and you. How many are ready for the special mix tonight? How many are ready to make your way to find some place to pray? I'm not even waiting on the preacher. Not now. I'm ripping right out of these pews right now. And I'm going to find some place to set myself in the sunshine. Come on, brother. The secret's safe with me tonight, Father. You don't have to wonder what I'm going to do with holiness. You don't have to wonder what I'm going to do with the truth that lies within me. Is there anybody here tonight that can say the secret higher praise? Pastor, you don't have to worry tonight. Amen. I'm praying in my own closet. And you can be rest assured the secret's safe with me. Sunday school teacher, you taught me again and again. Youth leader, I understand your burden. The secret. Oh, sing it, sister. Come on. Come on beyond the open door. Come on, that's it. You to go. That's it, higher praise. Come on, put it in the sunshine. Put it in the sunshine. Set it in the sunshine tonight. I've chemically come. I'm bringing all that I can bring, but I need you to do the rest, Jesus. I need you to fix the mix in me. I need the apothecary of heaven to his presence. The secret safe with me, God. I won't let the world exploit it. Amen. I won't let the world take it. Hallelujah. I'll remain prayed up. Come on. I'll remain in an intimate relationship with Jesus, my Messiah. Bring me back to my first love. Bring me back to the book of Ephesus. To the church of Ephesus. Oh, beyond the open door is a new and fresh anointing. That's it. Bring your children. Bring your grandchildren.